I was born down on A Street, raised up on B Street. Southie is my hometown. There's something about it from makes me to shout it with the tops. Hello and welcome to another installment of The Scrum, WGBH News' political podcast. I'm Adam Riley, and I'm here with Peter Kadzis. Peter, hello. Hey there, folks. Gintoutis Dumsius of Mass Live and the Springfield Republican. Hey, again. Hey, how are you? And Lauren Dzenski of Politico, author of the Politico Massachusetts Playbook. Hello, Lauren. Hello, hello. And we are standing here in the, what is this, the lobby of the Grand Ballroom. Is that the right way to put it? The, the Yes. Uh, right above the very exciting-looking seafood exposition, yes, by the way. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I actually would like to go try the tilapia bowl after we chew the fat here. But did that pique your interest, too? No, I actually, uh, someone that I was talking to here came early to get some oysters. Really? Yes. How were they? So, I don't know. Probably good. It's the seafood thing. I don't know. But, of course, we're not here to talk about the Seafood Expo. We're here to talk about the St. Patrick's Day breakfast, which is sort of limping to the finish as it tends to do. I think it's been running for about an hour and a half now. Peter Kadzis, you have probably seen more of these things. Did I get the time right? Hour and 45 minutes? All right, yes. what, what, what's your take on this iteration of the breakfast compared to others that we've seen? Well, this has been um, a fairly gentle, almost, you know, like a, a family wedding um, you know, the jibes have been largely gentle. Um, it's moved along very smoothly. Um, old, old scores were brought up, but nothing was really dwelled on. I would say of the three, this has been the, the smoothest. I don't mean in terms of logistics. I mean in terms of temperament. I mean, I, I, I know the first one I enjoyed a lot, and it was very historic, um, be, because you had not only a, a woman, you had a woman from Dorchester, and you had a black woman hosting what had been uh, largely male, very white, exclusively South Boston sort of ceremony. The the second year, I don't really remember that much about I said, oh, geez, why do they bother? This year, I thought it was a sort of uh, coming together. As I said, it was a family event. And you're uh, talking about... Tito got in there somehow. Yeah, Lauren, you were keeping tabs on Tito Jackson's location throughout the event, right? Uh, Tito Jackson, the city councilor, who, of course, is going to run against Marty Walsh in this year's mayoral election, about which we haven't heard a ton lately. How did Tito Jackson's placement evolve over the course of the breakfast? Great question, Adam. Uh, so basically, the one of the best narratives to follow with the breakfast itself is where exactly everyone is sitting. Uh, that's kind of like the most one of the most political things that you can kind of see here. Uh, so Tito Jack. So first off, every single elected official who is worth their salt throws elbows to get onto the stage and to get seated on the stage. The closer you are to the podium and within that you know tight camera shot of the senator, you know at the podium, the closer you are to the podium, kind of the more important that you you are Marty Walsh yeah Charlie Baker's to her left uh, Marty Walsh is to her right Liz Warren super close it's it's you know a thing uh so at the beginning uh City Councilor Tito Jackson is in the back row, second from the end of the stage on the left. Uh, basically, almost off the stage. If he is in any of the camera shots, you can't even tell, basically. Um, fast forward to probably an hour into the breakfast, all of a sudden, he's seated 
in still in the back row, but literally right behind the podium. He is like he has scooted his way up. Um, and from what I've heard, that was an unauthorized move. Uh, Boston City Councilor Ayanna Presley had previously been sitting there. She no longer was, and Tito Jackson was suddenly right behind. No, Lauren, I gotta ask you: Was it by any chance? And I'm not sure if this is a question you can answer. Was it by any chance someone affiliated with Mayor Martin Walsh who told you this was an unauthorized move? Uh, I don't reveal my sources. However, you can connect the dots in a way that might answer that. The reason I ask that, in addition to my desire to be obnoxious, is that there was a, a, a bit of shtick that seemed to call for Tito Jackson getting close to the podium. Remember, it was when Linda Dorsina Fori launched into uh, an introduction that seemed like it was clearly intended to be for Marty Walsh, but didn't mention Marty Walsh by name. And then the Tito Jackson uh, Man of Action campaign song started coming up, and he moseyed up, and Linda Dorsina Fori, you know, mugged to show how confused she was, and then said, no, no, this, this wasn't supposed to be Tito's intro. So I was wondering if that might have pulled him up there, and if these claims of an unauthorized encroachment might themselves be bogus. Uh, you know, we live in an era of fake news, and uh, that's I think that's all I can really say about that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Tito Jackson was a significant part of uh, a Governor Baker's skit. Uh, he basically said that the only person he can get to call him back is Tito Jackson, and he got a nice cameo. And then, you know, he had a T-shirt uh, that then Marty Walsh then, you know, made some comment saying that it will be, what, like a relic or something. Yeah. Vote Tito. Vote, Co- collector's yeah, item. A collector's mostly. item, yeah. Um, but so... It's, it's, it's kind of a nice refresher and reminder that we are in the midst of a mayoral race. Uh, competitive might be a little too much of a word, but, you know, there is still an election in November, and these breakfasts tend to remind us all of that competitive nature. Uh, Gindumsius, what has struck you here at the 2017 St. Patrick's Day breakfast? Well, I was mostly uh, disappointed by the fact that Stephen Lynch did not do the Sluggo Atul joke. <laughs> Um, I love that joke. I love that joke. Uh, and uh, as a constituent, I'm disappointed, and both as a reporter as well, because uh, Stephen Lynch knows how to work the room. He knows uh, the atmosphere of the room, and he's, he's, just, he's, he's still good at it. He's still one of the great hosts. You know, it's interesting. Part of my uh, reflection on this being a mild family-like event was that if there are any elbows thrown. It's usually Steve Lynch who does them. And um, uh, he's a much better singer than Nick Collins was. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm a much better singer than Nick Collins is. I yeah. mean. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I'm, I miss Sluggo, although it's, it, it's interesting to note that um, Lynch should probably be credited with keeping the breakfast alive between the bulgy years in Linda Dorsina Fori. And as she said, uh, he deserves massive credit for helping her establish her presence here. So he's a sort of historic, if there's a grand old man of the breakfast, it's Stephen Lynch. Let me ask you to elaborate on that, because if I recall correctly, and I may not, it was Jack Hart who emceed it, at least for some of those years between Bulger and Dorsina Fori was was Lynch ever the actual MC, or did he keep it alive in some other way? I I think he was the MC. Okay. I, I think what it is is after Bulger, um, it it lost some luster. Um, it, it, it lost a lot. It lost a lot of luster after Bulger. One, Bulger was a hard act to follow. Uh, two, I think people could <laughs> use some relief and reclaim their St. Patrick's Day. 
but um, it's awfully hard to be up there, um, you know, hosting this. And um, when Lynch did host, um, he brought something to it that I don't think a lot of people expected him to have. I mean, Lynch rose to the occasion, and I think that was part of his emerging as someone other than um, a South Boston hack. I don't think Lynch was ever a South Boston hack. I think he's a very smart guy who was underestimated for a long time. In him taking over the breakfast helped him rise above that lower estimation. Lynch, I got to say, and then again, I know you want to get in here. Lynch has such great comedic timing that he's really a pleasure to listen to. And let's take a little bit of a listen to his signature joke from this year's breakfast. So I have to tell you, I've been worried sick about... Uh, since President Trump introduced his uh, deportation order on on immigrants. You see, a lot of people don't realize this, but in my own family, my mother-in-law is uh, is undocumented. So uh, she came over from Ireland years ago, and she actually lives with me and my wife and our two girls at 55 G Street (laughs) in, in South Boston, 02127. And I am so worried, and this is just between us, it would be so easy for the authorities to pick her up any weekday, Monday through Friday, at 6.07 p.m. when she gets off the bus at the number nine bus at G and Broadway. All right, so there you have Steve Lynch engaging in what I would almost call like 1950s-style humor, joking about how much he'd love his mother-in-law to be arrested and deported, um, which which is something that— Wait he, a minute. He never said that. <laughs> as he told it, I was, I was embarrassed that I found it as funny as I did, and I found it that funny in large part because he's just so good at dragging it out and— almost in a Letterman-esque way, sort of dwelling on the same thing, returning with a very minor variation to the same theme, and it ends up being hilarious. Again. Well, I think it's because he's a great storyteller, and he's also known uh, across the state as one of the best campaigners that Massachusetts has. He, Because he can tell a story, he can tell a joke, and he puts you at ease because he tells the personal story um, and just the way he grew up, the family, like... He uh, resonates because he brings it down to everybody's level. I mean, the, the mother-in-law joke is, is just, it's a classic. It's a, everybody loves it. By the way, I, I want to say for the record that I am a huge, huge fan of my mother-in-law. <laughs> for real. So this is not, my enjoyment of that joke had nothing Good to career do move. Good yeah. career yeah. move. Now, it's worth mentioning that, Peter, you talked about, the, I think, the relative dearth of sharp jabs in this breakfast. I hope I'm paraphrasing you correctly. Um, There were a few jibes at Lynch for being a titular Democrat, but a uh, de facto Republican. Let's recap some of the other harsh jabs that might be worth remembering as we look ahead to the next year or two in Massachusetts politics. What stood out to you guys? Um, I thought it was interesting that Elizabeth Warren made a jab at Charlie Baker um, in her little headline skit thing, as well as I think it was Senator Dracina Forey who said that Governor Baker wasn't actually a Republican. Like her opening number was quite sharp and she threw a lot of elbows that kind of left some uh, some of us in the back going, 
dang, she brought her A game this year. So I think that that really set things up. Um, I'm not sure anyone else really followed up in terms of having as sharp of elbows. Yeah, you know, what struck me in terms of um, low-grade nastiness was um, Mayor Walsh's inability to let Tito's name come up without... Um, you, you know, w- w- without uh, uh, hocking a Louie in his uh, general direction. And that suggests to me that we're going to have a very thin-skinned um, mayoral race. Um, I'm not sure I'd expect um, a, a great debate on the issues here. Um, once was fine. But I don't know. There was the comment about the T-shirt, how that's going to be a collector's item soon. And then there was the other comment, I don't remember which came first, about, yeah, well, good for Tito. This is as much attention as he's going to get all year. And it did seem small. I agree with you, Peter. There was, uh, I was watching the video feed um, out in the uh, hallway area, and NECN had this shot of, it was mostly an orange juice container, but it was also Mayor Walsh's face, and then in the background, Tito Jackson. And it was just a solid shot of both of them reacting, and it was like, all right, this is good. But again, like, there are certain aspects of the fact that, number one, this race exists, that is a reminder, but number two, like, this this can get kind of dirty and personal pretty quickly. I got a question for Gin Dumpsius. Did you think that Maura Healy's riff on running against Charlie Baker was uh, was it serious does it make you more likely to think she is in fact going to challenge Baker uh, for the governor's job than you were coming into today and did it qualify as to use Peter's phrase low grade nastiest actually before you answer let's take a listen to some of what Maura Healy had to say no it's great to see you Mr. Mayor great to see you too Tito isn't it something when you see two competing candidates push aside the awkwardness, move aside the tension of an upcoming campaign, come together and break bread? Yeah. Right, Charlie? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. I'm just joking. All right, Ken, what do you make of that? So, I, I mean, I, I think a large part, people come in this, the, the politicians, they come in to entertain. And they know that there's an audience for these kinds of jokes. So I, I don't know if the, the Walsh stuff, I mean, definitely was a little bit, you know, it, it was sharp. But Marty Walsh has been going to these breakfasts for a long time from when he was a state rep. He kind of knows what the people want and what they want to hear. And some of that is inside jokes. It's banter. It can come across as a little nasty for sure. But I think it's all overall in, in good, human, good humor. And I think uh, Healy um, is in, the, in that same boat. She knows the people are trying to listen for this kind of stuff. They might be uh, overanalyzing it afterwards. Um, I think the, the key thing at this breakfast is don't be boring, which uh, I think Senator Rosenberg ran a follow with when he, when he put that out, a video of all the senators uh, reading JFK City Upon a Hill speech. Yeah, what? For the second year in a <laughs> row. I, I just got to say, I have a, a special bugaboo about that speech uh, because if anybody, anybody who's read Common Ground knows the context behind that speech, and it's actually... Uh, JFK gave that speech uh, amid uh, a massive corruption scandal going on in Massachusetts politics. So when you put that context in, you know, it is a good speech, absolutely. But he was also doing it to separate himself and distance himself from Massachusetts Democrats as he was entering the White House. So, you know, in that context, it sounds a lot different. It sounds a, a, a little less high-minded and more of JFK trying to save his own skin. I'll tell you um, something that wasn't said on the stage 
um, before I came into the hall proper, I, I was sitting down and having coffee with, um, I'll just say, a group of state house insiders. Um, all, all staff members, all tough as nails, and all seriously wondering if Maura Healy is going to run for governor. Now, the reason this is important is people like this usually are quick to say, oh, come on, that's just BS. You guys in the press are making it up. I just found it interesting that they were among themselves seriously discussing whether they thought she would or wouldn't. No one had an answer. Then someone shot someone an elbow in in pointed to me and they stopped talking but to me that was significant that you, you know um hard men and women who know politics are now wondering whether she's going to run and peter kids again seem to take the position that you know maura healy and the other politicians here know what people want to hear they know what's going to get us excited and so they figure out what little tidbits of political catnip they need to dispense uh, you, if I recall correctly, before we started having this conversation, you had a little bit of a different take on Healy's routine here today, right? I forget what it was. <laughs> I thought, and I could I'm be serious. wrong, my recollection was that you said something that made me think that you now were taking the prospect of a Healy bid more seriously. Oh, I I, I definitely am. Um, I, I was... B- you know, before in the school of saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, what are all these meetings she's having around the state? Now, the beauty of this is, is if she doesn't run, they're not mutually exclusive. This does nothing but strengthen her position as a statewide figure. Um, But I, I do think people have to seriously wonder whether she is. All right, let's go around and just name a few more highlights or lowlights uh, before we wrap up here. I, I want to start. We'll go to you again next, followed by Lauren, followed by Peter getting the, the last word. My uh, favorite moment that we haven't discussed yet was the Bob DeLeo learning how to tweet video. Unlike his colleague or his counterpart who heads the Senate, Bob DeLeo seems to have a real knack, not in a live setting, because you can see he's a little uncomfortable when he's up there addressing the room. But when he's on a video production or when he's being filmed, he can be really, really funny, and he's almost a natural physical comedian. You know, the, the gesture of exultation when he raised his arms in triumph after he'd been tweeting all night. Yes, um, it cracked me up, and it's a side of him that we're not used to seeing. So that was one of my uh, favorite little wrinkles here today. Uh, Gin, you get the next call. Um, I think Charlie Baker kind of did a, did a pretty decent job. You know, I, I think he... Uh it's kind of become the the, uh, the pattern for him, right? He, he, he gets a lot of jokes off, sometimes at, a, uh, at his own expense, uh, how he, w- he looks like Roger Goodell, and he thought that was great at first when Myra Croft, Kraft told him, and then it turned out to be not so good when they won the Super Bowl after Deflategate. Um, and he ended it on a high note about evacuation day, and he did that, I believe, uh, a couple of years ago, talking about uh, the dropkick Murphys and you know, ending, it, ending it on a sober, uh, somber high note. Um, and playing very much the South Boston audience, many of whom uh, voted for him in 2014 and will probably vote for him again. Lauren Dzenski, your favorite or least favorite moment that hasn't come up yet? Uh, I actually didn't like the history lesson from uh, Governor Professor Charlie Baker at the end of his at the end of his thing. But I did really like the beginning of his spe- of his skit. I uh, 
I, I have to admit I haven't been paying attention to especially some of the later things uh, because, spoiler alert, this breakfast is actually really awesome for source building and just going and talking to people because it's like shooting fish in a barrel uh, in terms of the who's who of Boston politics. So I've been kind of yucking it up. Okay, then in that case, and I'm not going to ask you to Don't say who you've I won't, I won't ask you who, who you have been talking with, but in that case, share with us one interesting little thing that you're going to be following up that you've learned here today. If you can... You can't feel my sources no, and my stories. Everyone who's anyone in Massachusetts politics is here no, in this room. Um, I think it's I think it's worth noting the uh, the uh, people who are running for city council, Bill Linehan's seat. Those folks who are kind of working the room. Um, yeah, my favorite thing to watch is basically who's here, who's not, um, and some of the the South Boston City Council race folks are are here and milling about. So that's my part. Now, remind me, uh, I should know this, I don't. Ed Flynn, is he running for that seat? Yes. All right, so, so when I, when I uh, realized that Ed Flynn was running again, I flashed back, Peter, to a piece that I remember writing at the Phoenix, I think the first time Ed Flynn oh, made a run for the council. If I recall correctly, I met Ed Flynn for an interview. I think it was a, a Saturday, maybe it was a Friday, I don't know. At, like, early. He wanted to start, he was campaigning. He was starting early in Charlestown, uh, if I recall correctly, and it was like 8 in the morning. He came to that interview and was going to be campaigning, even though his wife had given birth, something like four hours before, which blew me away. Wow. So, wow. Uh, I don't Pe- think his wife has given birth today, and it's much later than 8 a.m. All right, Peter Kadzis, your favorite or least favorite moment that we have not yet discussed here at the 2017 St. Patrick's Day Breakfast? Um... I don't know, maybe Mara Healy uh, doing a shout-out to Larry O'Donnell, the MSN, Lawrence oh, yeah. O'Donnell, the uh, Dorchester native MSNBC uh, host uh, who was here, again uh, suggests as a, a guest of the Fouries. Um, Are they um, tight, the Fouries and Lawrence O'Donnell? Again uh, tells me that they've gotten to be. Uh, as, as a result of the bombing. But I'll tell you, I have to describe, I think the big win, there's no real winner this year. One, I, I would say that it, it seems clear to me that Ed Flynn is going to have some real support from Boston's political establishment in his run for city council. Um, I wonder about Maura Healy. Um, hate to disagree with you. I love Charlie Baker's um, history lesson, mainly because, not so much because of the history, um, you know, back to colonial days, but there's been an interesting switch, a a change in how the St. Patrick's Day has been celebrated in Boston. Um, Basically, for the first, you know, gazillion years, um, it was was really um, focused on Evacuation Day. The city used to pay for the breakfast, and it was the evacuation day breakfast. Um, I remember in the fourth grade at St. Gregory's, Sister Ann Bridget telling us in the fourth grade that um, this was evacuation day, a very important day in America's history, in Boston's history. And she managed to suggest in the way that the nuns could that wasn't it remarkable that it was also on St. Patrick's Day, almost suggesting that God and the Catholic Church had looked down kindly on Puritan Boston. <laughs> um, but 
it, it was really in the 60s, and, and really when Bulger took over, Bulger's the one who brought television in here, that, that these breakfasts changed and became overtly, you know, extremely political and extremely Irish. And I have a theory here then that I think what Sister Ann Bridget was doing was what the Catholic Church was doing in those days, teaching immigrants how important it was to be American. By the time the 60s came around, you know, the Irish, let, let's stick with one ethnic group, felt secure enough in their Americanism to yeah. exert their, their own ethnicity. So yeah, it's that's the second, what I'll, second and third generations, right? That yeah. do that as opposed to. See, uh, learn this is a history lesson that I like. I okay. like this. Thank you. This thank you. <laughs> well, I, I got something on Charlie. I like to think. He's taller. <laughs> so that is going to do it for this installment of the Scrum. Is this the third year in a row that you two, by the way, Gin Dumpsius and Lauren Dzinski, have talked to Peter and I about the breakfast? I definitely did last year. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Third time's the charm. Yeah, second or third, I think. Uh, maybe do it again next year. Can we make a firm plan? Yeah, see you next year. Absolutely. Lauren, I won't ask you about any source conversations next year. I promise. Lessons uh, learned, right? So <laughs> thanks to all of you for listening to the Scrum. As always, please uh, subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't already. Leave a generous comment if you are so inclined. Listen to us online at blogs.wgbh.org scrum. Our producer today is Jason Tereski. Jason, thanks as always. Thanks to Gin Dumpsius of Mass Live and the Springfield Republican. Thank you. Lauren Dzinski of Politico. Thank you. And my esteemed colleague, Peter Kadzis of WGBH News. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. The Scrum is a production of WGBH News. It was good old Mickey Perkins. Southie is my hometown. I was born down on A Street. Raised up on B Street. Southie is my hometown.